good time of the day, and welcome to another episode of When I Say I Mean. I'm your co-host, Austin. And I'm your other co-host, Adrian. I was just talking about how common the name Austin is. Did I tell you about the, the Austin email chain that I happen to be on? Potentially? I am very not happy about it. Um, okay. All the... Okay, one Austin on campus who has declared himself to be the president of Austin Association of America, or AAA, <laughs> he took it upon himself to to find all the Austins in the Clarkson directory and email us to say just like, hey, we're all Austins, whoop-de-doo, and it's awful. Oh, my goodness. And there's like, there's like over 50 Austins on campus. I didn't think that Austin was really... I don't feel like I know that many Austins. I, yeah, I don't either. Um, but Clarkson <laughs> apparently has a high density of Austins. Though, that that doesn't really surprise me. Um, given the, de- the, like, the demographics of Clarkson are disproportionately the demographics of people named Austin. So, I think it works out. I think I understood that, but... Okay. Like... The demographics of people who I assume are more likely to be named Austin are also that same demographic of Clarkson. Oh, okay. Are you talking about, like, racially? And male. Okay, yeah. Okay. So apparently there are women named Austin. Nice. Are they a part of the National American Austin Club? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, he was. He is also very opposed to the Jane Austen spelling of Austin. Uh and he he only allows the Texas spelling of Austin. Wow. So I I thought that was that was pretty pretty harsh of him. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. But anyway, did you do anything more interesting than get emails from people named Adrian this week? Yeah, I didn't get any emails from anyone named Adrian this week. That must have been so refreshing. Did you think about it as being refreshing? No, because oh. that never happens to me. Except for that well, one time in college, I got an email from myself from the future. Well, count your blessings. Uh, ev- I think this goes for everyone. Just appreciate the times that you don't get emails from people just because they have the same name as you. I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that. Um, yeah, no, I had a more, much more interesting weekend than that. Um, this past weekend I was down in Brooklyn, New York. And, what? <laughs> and, um, so our church has a church plant there. I'm not sure if I've talked about it on the podcast, but our church has a church plant there. And so our community group went down to support them this past weekend as like a spring break trip. Although most of the students that are part of our community group slash all the students that are part of our community group were on another spring break trip with other organizations besides ours. Okay. So there was just four of us. What was the organization? Uh, both InterVarsity and crew. Oh, okay. Were, was, trips. were they with a guy named Jonathan Walton? Uh, no idea. I mean, they're still there right now. Well, just just throw throw a quick line out and be like, Hey, are you with a guy named Jonathan Walton? How would how would they know? Where's Jonathan Walton right now? In New York City, I assume. 
No. They weren't in New York City with us. Oh, okay. Never their, mind then. Their trips were in different locations. Okay, okay. Never we mind. Were just in New York. That would be weird then to ask them. Don't do yeah, it. Yeah, no. They probably weren't with with Jonathan. Um Do you have another question? No, just raising my hand. Okay. Usually when people raise their hands, it means they have a question. I'm just doing it for... Or it's like a greeting, but we've already greeted each other. So that's true. So that seems unnecessary. Um, and, or if you've been reading and your hand has run out of blood. Yeah, yeah. or you're playing <laughs> you're playing Fire Emblem and your, your hand's out of blood. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so, yeah, we got down... We drove down on Friday, and we spent the well first we spent the afternoon just walking around the cool the town of <laughs> bay ridge in southern brooklyn and then in the evening we had like a prayer meeting with the team mm-hmm. and then saturday during the day we oh also sidebar that I was staying um, with this one couple, and their apartment was literally like a million degrees at night. It nice. was absolutely insane. Um, I thought I was going to die. Were there giant billboards outside of your apartment? No, but I did wake up to the sound of pigeons. Oh. Um, so that was, that was fitting. You um, know you can breed really fancy pigeons, right? Is that a question directly to me or just yeah. in general? I Do don't you, know this. What? Oh my goodness! Everyone, apparently, no, okay, apparent. Yes, those exact words, and go to images. Apparently, this is not a known fact, guys. There are unbelievably fancy pigeons in the world. Like they're stunning. It. There was one. I feel like that I looked feel like, like I have seen these. Its entire body like the, is a peacock. It's like farm tail. Show. Yeah, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Google fancy pigeons. It's I think it's well worth your time. Um, these are kind of scary. Some of them are scary. Some of them are like, there's no way you should be able to get a pigeon to be like white and red checkers. Like that should be impossible. But apparently you can, uh, just through the power of selected breeding. Another thing that I was told not to Google today or this week was featherless birds. Oh, and <laughs> to see how much they look like dinosaurs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I'm doing that right now. It's rather terrifying. Yeah. S- interestingly, um, Plato considered uh, humans to be featherless birds. Uh, Diogenes the Cynic once took a plucked chicken and threw it down at the feet of Plato and say, "Behold, Plato's man." Um, Plato didn't take it well. He didn't really like Diogenes, the cynic. Wow, that is one of the hideous things I've ever seen. Anyway, look up fancy Anyways. pigeons. <laughs> They're a thing. Yeah, they are rather fancy. Um, Darwin's first example uh, wasn't finches. It was pigeons in On the Origin of Species. Mm, fun fact for today. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I got up that morning, and we had, on Saturday morning, and we had scrambled eggs with salmon wow and i know it was very fancy and like some kind of green greens and toast um this couple is from they're south african so um i don't know maybe that's a traditional south african breakfast 
Are they uh, Afrikaners? Yeah, they're Afrikaners. Uh, so they were speaking in Afrikaans, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, they speak fair. English. They also speak English. That's um, nice. And so then on Saturday, we went to the Morgan Library, where okay. they were having a J.R. Tolkien exposition. Oh, was, um, is that with all his own, uh, his own drawings of Middle Earth? Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, I didn't realize how amazing of a um, watercolorist. Yeah, yeah. I I said that watercolorist, watercolorer. I don't know. I was. I said it wrong it. this weekend, and I don't remember what the correct word is now. Uh, which is pretty fantastic. And he did that. You know that the original cover for the Hobbit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He did that. Yeah, he I saw. This. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, it's my favorite. Did you see the trailer for Tolkien? Was yes, I ju- the new was one. I talking to you about this? We talked about it before. Okay. Okay. Th- there's two trailers out now. Yeah. And I felt really good after the first one and s- more skeptical after the second one. Yeah, see, I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. But other people I've talked to have felt the different differently. Well, I disagree with them. But I mean, time I, will tell. I so when I was when I was originally pitching my idea for a Tolkien biopic, mm-hmm. um, was let's have it all happen in the mind of Tolkien because I imagine mm-hmm. inside the mind of Tolkien would be all kinds of just epic fantasy worlds with lots of inventive use of language and elves and magic and yeah. maybe a One Ring. Um, so <laughs> that was that was my idea. It's all just. The very subjective experience of Tolkien that maybe it maybe even just seems like a, a totally different mythical world. So um, kind of like the Lord of the Rings? You could, yeah, you could say that. Okay. Um, but maybe a little earlier, like the Silmarillion. Okay. Um, so one of my favorite things that was there besides the, the Hobbit um, cover, book jacket, was the the like original, one of the first, uh, probably the first, um title pages for the lord of the rings mm-hmm. it was <laughs> he originally wrote like the magic ring or something like that mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then he crossed it out and then wrote the lord of the rings below it i was like nice lord that's of the rings call. is way better yeah. than the magic ring yeah that's that, a was, good call. that was um so yeah that was pretty pretty cool exposition expo exposition did you listen to any wu-tang while you were there honestly no um oh. no wu-tang clan how can in, how can you go Manhattan. to how can you go to Brooklyn and not listen to Wu Tang? Um, I we just didn't. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, and then after that, we went to the spy museum, and we became spies. Nice. Um, is so that an, do, is that an official thing? Uh, not really, but okay. Um, good. <laughs> you shouldn't <laughs> tell me then. <laughs> no, I'm not actually a spy. Um. But yeah, they had like these different things. My favorite one was they they put these headphones on and you were in this like circular room and they had all these like cameras around the top and you were supposed to be like practicing your observation skills and so mm-hmm. it would be like mm-hmm. find the person wearing the red shirt with it. What number does he wear? And then you have mm-hmm. to like say it's 82 and then like it says good job. Anyway, so that was fun. And then there was this other one where it was like this room full of lasers. 
mm-hmm. and like these buttons on the side of the wall, and you had to hit the buttons without hitting the lasers. I was just in a room with a bunch of lasers. They were slightly different than your lasers, but <laughs> what? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, but I I learned I heard recently that a bunch of army and navy related computers at universities were hacked um mm-hmm. and allegedly it was by china and i was like oh good i'm glad it wasn't russia i feel like i would look like <laughs> a very sp- suspicious person in such a yeah, case that's fair saturday evening we were watching the children so that their parents could have the evening out and we watched Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh, that's a fitting choice for Brooklyn. Okay, yeah, so it, you did it, you did listen you got some biggie in then if yeah, you were yeah, watching yeah. it with Uncle yeah. Aaron. I also I feel awesome. like Uncle Aaron's he should have just his vibe should have rocked into the Spider-Verse. Get Post Malone no, out of there. That that's true. Um I do recommend this is maybe jumping the gun. I do that's recommend cool the spider-verse but what i don't recommend is watching it with four small boys under the age of eight because literally they're they're like four year old the whole time no the the six-year-old or i don't know how he was probably five he's sitting next to me like like right before something would happen he would spoil it so like they've seen it like yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i was the (laughs) No, these kids are brilliant. Um, no, I was the only one who hadn't seen it, oh. and so and so they're sitting there, and like his uncle like walks on the screen. He's like, "Yeah, his uncle's a bad guy," and I'm just like, "Like you should know that anyway, though." <laughs> okay, I understand, but it's like I'd like to like be able to enjoy this, no, even no, if no, I'm no. making the predictions. No, like Donald Glover plays that character in Homecoming. Yes, it's I, a yeah, very I, different interpretation of the character. But yeah, it is. It is. Did you see Chance um, the Rapper? I did with the, with the four. Yeah, I did see that. Um, and then Sunday we we watched the children during church, and then went home basically, mm. watched some soccer. Cool. So yeah, that was what I uh, did this weekend. Well, anything else that you want to throw in to there New that York. you didn't weave in? Um, no. Okay. Um, also yesterday, I mean, not also yesterday, because nothing that I said was from yesterday, but yesterday, I finally watched First Reformed. Yes, I'm very excited. So, tell me everything. What did you think? Okay. Okay. So, should we care about spoilers? No. Okay, so if you want to watch this movie, which I I recommended this movie like months ago at this point. If you haven't seen it, okay, too late. Buckle up, folks. Well, I mean, they could pause right now, go watch the movie. It's on Amazon Prime, and then Uh, come back. What is this like an actual podcast thing? Telling people to pause it, breaking the immersion. Okay, whatever. Anyways, I do recommend that you watch it. Um, If you did already guess. Which I did guess, but I didn't realize until I watched it. This is like the perfect Austin movie of all yeah. time. Um, especially for Austin right now, 
it, yeah. it's just absolutely perfect. So it yep. takes place in like upstate New York, which is where Austin <laughs> currently is living. It, it, um, bless you. Thank you. It, it follows this man who's living by himself, who has started to, who has become the priest of this like reformed church. He's the reverend, um, not a priest. He's the reverend. Excuse me. Um, Ernst Tollard is his name. Yeah, Reverend Toller. Um, the the not only did I was like, wow, this movie is so awesome. And then there was the trippy scene where this like really weird existential thing happened, and I was like, wow, this is just icing (laughs) on the cake for Austin. This is what he wants in a movie. Yeah. Um, and then the ending was probably perfect too for Austin because. You don't really know what the ending is. It mm-hmm. like r- it like flashes back to a conversation that he had earlier, and y- it just ends abruptly and yeah. just lets you just sit there and try to and just revel in it. And I was like, wow, no wonder Austin believes yeah, that yeah, this yeah. movie needs to be best picture because the it's f- probably the most Austin movie that's ever existed. The first time I watched it, the movie ended, and I'm like, oh no, that was the greatest ending ever. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, it just cuts to black, and I'm like, they can't just end the movie there. Oh no, they did. This is awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I was watching the movie for a second time, and um, they start levitating that one scene, mm-hmm. and uh, Amelia was just like, "Oh, I didn't realize this was an art film." <laughs> uh, and so yeah, it goes like. It goes off the rails. Uh, so, so in quick the, synopsis. In all the best ways. Quick synopsis of this movie, if you're not ever going to watch it, or if you are going to watch it and you're still going to listen anyways. I don't even really know how to give a synopsis, but I'm going to try. So he's the reverend of this, of this church. Mm-hmm. This young lady and her husband come to the church. Mary is her name. Yeah. She's also in Mamma Mia. That's says, right hey. Can you talk to my husband? He's having a rough time. His he name's Michael. He, he meets with Michael. Michael is a very passionate, um, what what would you, like? Um, environmental activist. Environmental activist. Let me to say. To the extent that he has been imprisoned. I love how awkward that scene is. And I, it is I pretty love fantastic. how we, you, you just see the profiles of, Reverend Tollard and Michael, and you like you don't know who to look at, and you're just sitting there like looking back and forth between these guys, like mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's happening, and it's so awkward, and it's like, I I love that like, and I love that they're not just cutting to one person until they do later, because it's right. like, it it the movie doesn't even give you the satisfaction of knowing who to look at, right. And then that scene also has a very great, at least to me, it was a great Austin moment where he is self-reflecting or writing in his journal, right? And he says something like, we were going back and forth and it was so intense. I felt, I never felt more alive, oh, but he like, says it with like the most like, like deadpan monotone voice I and like straight it. face. It was exhilarating. Yeah. And I just imagined <laughs> like, wow, that is what Austin would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so... They they get to talking. Um, Mary is pregnant, and Michael doesn't want 
to have the child. He's an anti-natalist. Um, yes. And he's very concerned about the environment and the planet and how the planet is going to die mm-hmm. um, if nothing happens. And so his driving question to Reverend Tolan is, uh, can God ever forgive us for what we have done? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day, Mary calls up the reverend and says, you need to come over right now. I think it's the next day. Something um, like that. And so he does. He comes over. They go into the garage, and they, she reveals that she has found this vest with explosives on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are very concerned about um, Michael at this point and what his action, what actions he's going to take. Mm-hmm. The reverend then takes the vest with him to get rid of it, presumably. And they go on their lives. They don't tell Michael. I think it's the next day, right? Yep. Um, Reverend is the Reverend is supposed to be meeting Michael, and we also find out some more things about Michael's life earlier in that first conversation. Or sorry, not Michael's life, the Reverend's life. Yep. Um, he was married. He had a child. His son went. It was in the military and was killed in Iraq or Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and now his marriage is in non-existent. Um, so Michael, the, so the, Michael was rescheduled the location of their meeting and the Reverend drives to the location and walks over and finds that Michael has committed suicide mm-hmm. in the park where they're supposed to be meeting. Um, so he has to deal with this. It's obviously very difficult for him. Um, what happens next? Um, so uh well i mean we've already skipped a lot of things so we're just gonna we're gonna cut to the chase okay eventually he according to michael's will he performs a a scattering of the ashes ceremony for mm-hmm. michael uh which is seen as a uh activist protest by the local paper reverend tolan is called up by his head pastor who this this church basically is funding all of mm-hmm. first reformed church because like six people go to first reformed right um and so they meet with uh energy bigwig someone bulk and yep. they have Ed, an, I think, maybe they have an amazing conversation at this diner it's so good um talking about it, it like just the the role of money in the church and the bulk industries is not very environmentally friendly um, and and is like sponsoring the overarching church essentially yeah mhm so yeah so kind of reverend tolan kind of needs bulk for his church to keep running um but he he disagrees with lots of things that he's doing and he's just like He's, he makes him promise that no politics are going to get uh, preached from the pulpit. And one of my favorite scenes is he is in a youth group. Reverend mm-hmm. Tolan is. And oh, it's, just, it's, it's so just like, good. It's a really normal, like evangelical-ish youth group type setting. And this one guy's like, everything's going great. Life is great. And then uh, this girl says like, 
my dad lost his job. Why did this happen to him? And the the youth leader guy is just like completely out of his depth. He has no idea how to respond to this. So he asked Reverend Tolan uh, if he can handle it. And he said, um, started talking about like that, you know, the Bible doesn't promise us um, that we won't suffer, that all of our, our problems will go away. And this guy just starts like goes into like a pro-Trump tirade essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a great scene. So it was, it was, it was a great scene because and and his response is just so good to what I feel is like a huge issue in the evangelical Christian yeah. world right now. But mm-hmm. hey, we don't have time to go into that probably. So anyway, uh, they leave this diner and. Um, then Reverend Tolan kind of goes down like the rabbit hole of Michael's computer and like gets sucked into this, this environmental pessimism basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and kind of starts to go crazy. He also has cancer. Yeah. Um, and is an alcoholic. mm -hmm. Um, so he, he, he basically, he makes this decision. Oh, so the scene with Mary she shows up at his house, um, mm-hmm. and they do a weird, very weird, like, journey thing where they're lying mm-hmm. on top of each other, and then they start levitating and, like, cruising around the earth, and then it's they see it all polluted. Right. This is a very strange movie. If you're <laughs> – look out for that. It's very yeah. slow, and it's very strange. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of just, like, narration, but it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, So anyway, that happens, and then Reverend Tolan basically makes this plan to blow himself up in the 250th, no, the bicentennial of First Reform, Mm -hmm. um, and take everybody out with him. Right, because he keeps the vest, and, like, the big the big wig guy is going to be there as well as like every, like all of the important people mm-hmm. are going to be at this the 250th celebration of the first reformed church and he has decided that he's just going to blow himself and everybody else up but blessedly mary shows up that for me that was such a moment of relief i'm like oh, she it, has it to so be was. there she like there's there's no doubt in my mind that she'll be there, but when she was actually there, it was oh. such relief. And then he just like he loses, loses it. it. And then maybe because who earlier knows what happens after that. Right. So earlier, Mary wants to come to this ceremony mm-hmm. because he has helped her go through this this process of dealing with Michael's death, and he has already made up his mind that he's going to blow it up. And so he is adamantly saying, no, you cannot come because he doesn't want to kill her, obviously. Um, but then, and so, like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, she has to come. She has to come. Mm-hmm. So he can't do this. And then she does come. Thank goodness. And so then he freaks out. Yep. And essentially. He just, like, wraps himself with barbed wire. Yeah. And is maybe about to drink drain on clogger with his whiskey to kill himself no just drain right. on clogger just no drain on clogger the the whiskey with the pepto bismol oh. is such a weird image anyway terrible um 
And then, so Mary just bursts through this locked door mm-hmm. and, like, calls out his first name, which is the only time it's said in the movie. And then they just run to each other and kiss. And the movie ends. And so, yeah. so, so what did you think of the ending? How do you interpret it? So, yeah, so um, I watched it with Becca, and we were talking about it afterwards, and we both think that he actually did kill himself. He, so so that the whole scene of her coming in and them embracing and kissing is actually just what he's thinking about as he's dying. So he makes the comment after seeing, after finding Michael, uh, he's writing in his journal and he says, what does somebody think about um, in the moments before they kill themselves? And so he's, and he kind of like thinks about that. And so, how I'm looking at the ending is, is this is what he's thinking about as, mm-hmm. as he, the, in the moments before he kills himself. Um, because we know that the door is locked. Right. Like we know that there's no way that Mary can get in. Right. And, and so I, I, and I don't think, I also don't think that that would be Mary's response mm-hmm. um, so, to like the situation. The scene, the scene definitely isn't real. Um, yeah. Because, like, I'm going to compare this to Paddington. It's like Paddington in the way that everything is set up before it shows back up again. So you see the lead pastor trying to get into this door, and he can't. Right. So so clearly, the ending isn't real, mm-hmm. quotes. Um, but, so I interpret, the first time I saw it, I was interpreting it as him finally embracing... Uh, grace. Okay. Like, to, so to me, that the ending is the answer to the question, can God ever forgive us? Um, and so the screenwriter is Catholic, so Mary's a very important figure. Right. And Mary is named Mary. So I, I see the end of it as him f- finally f- realizing the depth of the forgiveness of God. Okay, I can see that. That's how I view the end. Um, also, an, another one of my favorite scenes is him showing the kids the uh, the place underground where they hid slaves fleeing mm-hmm. from the Underground Railroad. Not from the Underground Railroad. You know what <laughs> I mean. On the Underground Railroad. <laughs> uh, because I, I think that it shows the contrast between then and now and how the the political is like part of the church literally um in the past but now um ed bulk is refusing him to be political in any way where it was like radically so at the time right of you know pre-civil war Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm so what do we what do we take away from this movie? Like like I obviously think it's a good movie and like I enjoyed it and was like challenged by it. But like what am I supposed to take away from it? I, I, am I supposed to just enjoy it? I, I don't think it's a movie that I enjoy it for just the art of it. I I feel like there needs to be something else that I take away from it, but I'm not really sure what that is entirely. Mm-hmm. So um I think it's it's great like what I, what I like about fiction 
uh, as, as this is what I was complaining about biographies in over the summer mm-hmm. biography to me is constrained by real life so what I like about fiction is that it's free to explore these spaces um, however it wants to so what I think is great about first reform it gives us the time to dwell on like the ramifications of right now and how the church is dealing with them looking at how like church historically has responded to um different crises mm-hmm. and asking like what can we do about it or um is is he making the right decision so i don't like i don't think there is a message to first reform because it's it's so intentionally ambiguous i'm not going to say there is one message that we take right, away right, right. from first reform but i i think the what we take away is now like discussing like how is the church living up to what it can be is the church living up what it can be what is our responsibility to the planet um can we be forgiven for all the terrible things we've done to it mm-hmm. like how do we is the is the church beholden to its stakeholders as it kind of right. is in this right and i think one of the other things that was kind of shocking to me was the scene so the scene where he is talking to who's his name the the pastor guy mm-hmm. and it, so it's after i think it's after the scene in the um in the diner and he he basically they're having kind of this like biblical argument as to why we should care about the earth right um and i and i thought and so again we had we kind of had a, talk, a whole episode about that so i won't necessarily that's not necessarily the part that i found the most interesting but the thing that was the challenging the most is how he both he and the bigwig guy were essentially using scripture to say i'm not going to change what i'm doing and i'm going to kind of keep keep on this even though his argument was poor right i mean so his argument was god destroyed the planet with the flood and Mm -hmm. then my response was which i literally said out loud was that then he promised to never do it again um Mm -hmm. and so and so like what are the thing I was challenged to think about like what are the things that or are there times where the church can justify things because of the bible and it's wrong i mean it has in the past yep with slavery right and like just like is many things right 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 but like or is not only is this another example which i think it is but yeah but clearly what the- are what are the other things that I'm not even aware of or don't mm-hmm. think about that the church does that with. I don't know. Right. So what what I what I think is is valuable about first reformed is the the unflinchingness that it takes on I what I think are really critical questions to us being alive right now. Mhm. 
Um, and so, like, that's what I think we take away is just the time we spend with it and hopefully the challenge to to do better, um, mm. be more conscious about how we act and, like, the, the way we look at life, right? Because I, what I think is really challenging is that, like, ch- church status quo is the villain. It, like, mm. if there is a villain, it's at bulk. And if it, the secondary villain is kind of like Abundant Life Church. Right. Um, so I, I think that's really challenging because I do think the status quo is largely bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, I think we use too many resources in America. I think we're bad at living out the promises of Christianity right now. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And desiring to like the the abundant life that John is talking about is very different than the abundant life that abundant life is talking about. Right. Which which comes up in that that scene with the youth group, right? Right. Where the abundant life that the the organization is talking about is saying prosperity right mm-hmm. and and the reverend tollers understands no that's that's not what it's talking about like it's not talking about yes your life is going to be prosperous in the minds of the world mm-hmm. but it's saying you're going to be free from that and like experience life fully free from the things that of this world that actually trap us and keep us captive rather than the things that are free. Right. And and so, but it's, it's weird how the movie undermines that in the person of Reverend Tolan, Mm -hmm. because he's such a self-destructive person and he's, he's so clearly unhappy Mm -hmm. and, um, torn, like, he is right. definitely not content in all situations. So that's why I think the 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 finale of the movie is him embracing that abundant life, like real realizing what it means um to live life abundantly and it's not the the self-destructiveness of what he was planning and kind of what abundant life is doing and what Ed Bulk is doing. Um, but it's kind of a, a radical, yeah, just reversal Mm -hmm. of, of that. Right. And I think what you were saying about grace is really important Mm -hmm. because he, that, that is the issue with Reverend Tuller, the entire, he, he, he doesn't understand, he doesn't understand grace and he doesn't have grace for himself. Yep. And and you see that in so many different forms, like every like now that I'm thinking about it, like almost like every aspect of his life is because of that. And so like even in his marriage, right, he doesn't have grace for himself. His relationship with Esther is her name, right? Like Mary, 
Oh, oh, no. yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no grace there. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his response to Michael committing suicide after he started trying to build into his life. He's, mm-hmm. He is constantly questioning, like, what could I have said differently? What could I have said more? Mary is very full of grace, right? And, and her yeah. responses to that. But he continu- that eats away at him, continues because he doesn't let it go. Like, even, even his denial of getting help from the hospital and, like, getting cancer treatments. Like, right. he is continuing to refuse this grace. Um, and so... The question, I I think that question of can God forgive us, the the whole part of the the planet, I think is is almost a a it's a personification or distraction for Reverend Tuller's whole life. Well, like um, he, I I think the the planet. And his own life are are really one and the same. Um, I like they they. It's both a a fundamental a corruption of both, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's it's like it goes. Michael's question is, can God ever forgive us for what we've done to the planet? And then when Reverend Tolan asked the question on his church board. It's can God ever forgive us? So I, like that's the real question to the movie, and that's not even the real question to me. The real question to the movie is can we ever accept that? Mm-hmm. Um, right, because the answer the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he does he can and he does and he has, and then it's the it's and I mean I I'm right there with the Reverend Tuller right. I I can understand that God has forgiven us, but it's understanding that grace and receiving it and living in it mm-hmm. that is much harder for me to do. Right. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of ways in the end to the ending of Silence. So I I went and like read a bunch of things about the director slash screenwriter Paul Shearer mm-hmm. after I watched First Reform because I'm like I can tell this guy loves all the things that I love. So it reminds me at the end of Silence a lot because a lot of what's how Silence ending is about um the the Jesuit main character rejecting his own need to be kind of the savior. He like he wants to die as a martyr. Mm. And so a lot of what he has to come through at, at to the end is not like giving up his own desire to be a martyr and live for the betterment of the people around him. Hmm. It's like silence is a really challenging ending. So I think, I think that's part of what he's, he's getting at here is rejecting his kind of reverendness, martyrness um, to, to embrace the people that are there and to like embrace that grace for himself. Right. So how do we do that in our lives? Cause I mean, I don't know if I am quite as extreme as where Reverend Toller is at, but I think, and, and obviously that's the point of the movie, right? The point of the movie is to 
at least I don't know now that I'm thinking about it. Right. The point of the movie is not to say er, again, I don't know what the point of the movie is, but the thing that's sticking out to me is that here is what it really looks like when you don't embrace grace and when you don't receive that um, and how destructive it can be to your life, even while you're striving so hard to do good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what do we do? How do how do we how do we not make the same mistakes that Reverend Tuller did? Mm-hmm. Well, I th- I think it is to kind of get out of yourself. Um, like Reverend Toland is a very, he's very like self-obsessed, even if mm-hmm. he doesn't seem like it because he's, he's so worried about his own state and his own health. And, and so I, I think the abundant life people are the same way like their concern is like my dad lost his job this is bad for us or i'm dating now great woohoo but i think what the what grace gives us is the ability to to rest in our own assurance like that ourself is taken care of and so that allows us to look outward yeah and i think and in reality the way that he so if i'm if i'm picturing if i'm personifying mary as grace Mm -hmm. or personifying grace as mary anyways um he he has that opportunity to get outside of himself with his interactions with Mary. Right. And, and, and the times that he feels the most alive is when he's biking with Mary Mm -hmm. and, and doing these things. And so to your point, right, he's so also in the movie, he's, he's writing, he's journaling every day. He's, he lives in this house by himself with nothing. There's no furniture. It's, it's just bare bones himself, his alcohol and his journal and, and a toilet and a toilet. And, and, it's just him and i think that is part of it right mm-hmm. i think he doesn't he's so hyper focused on himself that he misses his opportunity to survive really right. which is allowing this friendship with mary to grow um and so I I don't know me I don't really know how that answers the question of so I guess what I'm kind of saying is like you need other people to be able to receive that grace does that make sense or not really Well no I I don't I don't I don't think so but what receiving grace allows you to do is to live not for yourself Right but how do I get out of that? How do I get out of my journal? How do I get out of my empty house? That's just about me. Because the the reason he can't is because he hasn't given himself grace for his what has happened with his marriage, I would say. Mm-hmm. He, he feels like he needs to serve here as penance for his transactions. Um... Yeah, I guess I don't. I don't know, like practice 
loving people. Maybe we maybe we have to. I don't know. Maybe we have to forgive ourselves first, because I don't think he forgives himself. Yeah. I th yeah, maybe that's it. Because so like, even if I understand that God has grace for me, do I have grace for me? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that's still kind of like. I I think that's still like self-focused though. So the reason, the, so the way you get out of that is by focusing on other people. Yeah. Right. So in this case, he had the opportunity to focus on helping Mary. Mm-hmm. Which he did. Yeah. But he, so then. Why did that not? I guess it did end up in the end helping him not right if it, blow everybody right, up. Right, right. If it's if we come to my interpretation at the end, he rejects his his self destructive tendencies for the good of those who are at the church. Well, just kind of marry. He doesn't really care about anybody else. Well. I mean, <laughs> it's a step, though. Right, right, right. But I, but I guess my so. He he, because of his love for Mary, it actually saves everyone. Mm hmm. Like I, th I think that's his, his first, like. Like first act of altruism kind of or that's that's his first step in putting the needs of others over his own needs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right or, or thinking about how yeah putting his needs above his own like because he wants to go through with this he wants right. to he wants to end his own life as well as blow up all these people mm-hmm that's his desire, but then because of Mary, he now is putting her life in front of his. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, the... Whatever that Romans chapter is, it's it's by grace that you've been saved... Not a gift so that no one can boast. Therefore, we serve other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I like I think I think that the two go hand in hand. Receiving grace and serving others. Yeah. So like, I I don't like to me an either or statement is just not true to how we live life mm -hmm. you know like so much of life is cyclical and you go backwards and forward at different times in different steps so i don't I don't know i think it's it's just untrue to say first you embrace that for yourself right 
and there then you can go out and do things it's just it's um it's just an ongoing surrender of oneself and surrendering yourself means that you're, you're like it, it's not like a that we transcend the world but we surrender ourselves for the sake of others mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's not always easy but I think that's good Right, and and that's that's what I love about First Reformed. It's so just like, oh, okay, never mind. It was in Ephesians. Right, I was gonna say that, but I wasn't. I just was gonna let it go. Um, but um, like First Reformed is not an easy movie. If mm-hmm. if you're looking for some fun summertime joy movie, this is not that movie. Right. But I think like one of the uh one of the great things about it I thought was like again it just shows how like complicated Reverend Toller's life is mm-hmm. and like and how it's not just like okay yeah like I'm going to be great all the time or I'm going to be terrible all the time but like yeah, like he talks all the time about like not knowing how to pray or mm-hmm. or these this and that. Um but then he he knows he has like great responses to those youth kids right. and like understands the Bible really well and then has that great time of prayer with Mary, but yet he's still like struggling through all of these other things that you know, he has going on at home. Mhm. Mhm. And I think that allows us to have more grace for other people when you realize it's not just like, oh, yeah, he's always good or he's always bad or he's always on a good mood or a bad mood or whatever. I think sometimes it's <laughs> somehow we don't extend that grace to other people. I don't know. We probably don't have time to talk about Superman. No, I but I think that's okay. Fine. I don't think that we. I don't think we need to tie it in. I apologize no, if you could, feel though. differently. Mm. It could, but we don't need to. Fine. So, right. watch first reformed. Just even like because I I like it's the I think it's the movie we need right now. Yeah, especially as evangelical Christians. Mm-hmm. And I th- I don't yeah. And for everyone, right? Because everyone needs grace. Mhm. Not just Christians, but I also think like again, I'll speak for myself. I won't necessarily speak for everybody, but that's probably one of the hardest things that I struggle with in Christianity is accepting grace mm-hmm. and that there's nothing that I can do um, because I, w- I want there to be, right? I want there to be um, things that I can do, but the freedom doesn't come from 
working harder and doing more things and serving in more areas and knowing more about church history. It comes from embracing the grace of God, which allows you then to go serve and love others. Mm-hmm. Right. I was th- so like I was thinking about um, about works in relationship to lists that we used to get as children. Mm-hmm. As children, we always got lists of chores to do. And I was the only one who ever did them. <laughs> <laughs> this would be when mom would go away and it was just like us boys at home. And mm-hmm. so she'd leave a list of things to do. And I would just never do them. <laughs> and so because the list existed, I had to do all of the things um, because that's that's what needed to be done. Um, but now when I'm home, I just I do like I emptied the dishwasher because I know it's something my mom really appreciates, and it's it's a way that I can do something nice for her, just like while well, the coffee's brewing in the morning. Like I I don't need the list to do those things because the relationship is different. Um, it's so that's like. That's how I view works, right? It's mm-hmm. we're not doing these things because it's a list, and you're a bad son if you don't do the things that are on the list. But like, because there are things that we can do, but mm-hmm. we don't do them because we're we're bad if we don't do them, or like we we lose grace if we don't do them. We right. do them because we know it's what our father wants, and it's a way for us to to do something blessing to him and to others. Right. Right. It's a reflection of it, it's a it's loving back, mm-hmm. right? Is it as an outworking of the love we received. Mm-hmm. I like that analogy. Thank you. Mhm. Also, I don't think that our mother loved either of us any less even if you did all the chores. And I didn't do any or loved you more than she loved me. I don't know. I don't, maybe we shouldn't put her in that spot. And if but. it if it was, I don't think it was because of the me doing the things on the list. Right. <laughs> to fit the analogy, it didn't change the love she had for either of us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, watch First Reformed. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And then, uh, like, watch it with people and talk to them I was going to say that. Right. I'm really glad that other people have are finally coming around to watching First Reformed. I, I guess just like two people that I know at this point, but that's two more than before. So, <laughs> no, I think I think we should watch it. It's it's uh, it's not. I guess maybe it's not hard to watch. I think it's hard to watch. Um, it's not easy to watch, but it it's good. And I agree with the statement of watch it with somebody else because that's good. Oh, I don't know. I really enjoyed watching it by myself and watching it with others, but both of them are fun. Right. Well, but to your point earlier, right, you were saying that the point of the movie is in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so it's hard to have a discussion if you don't watch it with anybody. Well, I mean, the movie's having a discussion with itself, and I, I think it's provoking enough. And just like th- if things are weird enough that it f- kind of forces you to reflect on what just happened. Like the ending is so jarring 
Mm-hmm. I don't, like you can't just end. You can't. You can't finish watching that movie and just be like, mm, "That was nice." It, like it's, right. It's not like Ant Man and the Wasp where you just walk away and it was like, "Ants, Ant Man," and that's it. You know. <laughs> right, um, but but I do think right the the discussion enriches it because right. I mean even after this discussion. I am thinking about it differently than I thought mm-hmm. even when I first watched it. So. Well, I spent a lot of I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. So, well, I'm not very good at that. So it's good to have somebody chat about with it. All right, let's get some recommendations in real quick. Cool. Um, I watched a very different movie this week um, called Christopher Robin. Mm-hmm. Based on the. The, the famous character from the series Winnie the Pooh, also known as Christopher Robin. Um, it's great. It, so it's like if – I feel like it's the Wes Anderson version of Paddington. Mm-hmm. So, so – but the style is very different. Yeah. Like if, if Paddington truly was deeply sad and melancholic like Wes Anderson really is – it would be closer to Christopher Robin than Paddington is. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's it no, it's really nice. Everything is it's it's also very strange, um, just because Pooh it looks weird in live action. Mm-hmm. Um, Tigger sings the Tigger song during it, so just wait Classic. in eager expectation for that. Eeyore is amazing. Pooh is like a Zen master in it. Um. Uh, Obi Wan is great. Uh, uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, Haley right. Atwood is great. Um, it's really, uh, and it reminds me of Stardew Valley, in its message, just like okay. life is soul crushing. So, do like, do what you, don't don't be so beholden to the system. Like, take agency back. And it, like, just enjoy the, the peace of living. Mm-hmm. Christopher Robin. It's on Netflix. Right. Anything else? Nope. I so the first movie I watched this weekend with children was The Crudes. Um. That seemed bad. Yeah. Um. So I was watching it, and about halfway through, I said aloud to the group that I was watching it with, I was like, so this is basically um, Fiddler on the Roof. And everybody looked at me like I was an idiot. And then I explained it, and I think maybe they agreed with me to some extent, but maybe not. Um, Were there matchmakers? No, so this is why it's like Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. So you have a family, the Crudes, which are cavemen. Yep. They Oh, and they some, find humans. Somehow they meet this guy named Guy, and he has somehow progressed in human evolution Yep. and has more knowledge, understands the way things work. The daughter 
is infatuated by these ideas and these new things and everything that is new. And so she wants to go with this guy who Mm -hmm. knows how the world is ending or something and they need to go somewhere. And the father, who is played by um, Nicolas Cage. I like that. Is is very opposed to it. He says, "No, we need to hide in caves because that's what we've always done." Tradition. Guy is, exactly. Where a guy is saying we need to go to the mountain because if not, we're going to die because there's lava coming or something. And so basically, the movie follows this family as they go with Guy to the mountain and the struggle that. Nicholas Cage has to learn to grow and and deal with his family and the world changing around him even though he wants to sit back in his cave. I would completely watch Nick Cage as a caveman singing If I Were a Rich Man. <laughs> I would watch that in a heartbeat. Yeah. So I would I would recommend just watching um Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. Because I think it it does a better job of telling that story as well as other stories. Because I don't think that is entirely all of what Fiddler on the Roof is saying. I think there's there's lots more deeper meanings. Uh, but the crews, if you have children, um, I think they would enjoy it. It's it's um, I mean, it's a children's movie, so it, it, you can. By the way, it. I don't know if children would enjoy Christopher Robin. So just just look out for that. If okay. you're if you're going through a midlife crisis, that is the time to watch Christopher Robin. Okay, good to know. And then, so then I watched Into the Spider-Verse, which I had a very nice transition from my media consumption this past weekend. So I watched The Croods, which had Nicolas Cage as the yep, father. Yep, yep, yep. I then watch Into the Spider-Verse, which has mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage as Neo Spider-Man. Noir Spider-Man. Noir Spider-Man. Into the Spider-Verse was pretty good. He is great as more Spider-Man. No, he was. I don't... I mean, it was good. Maybe I had too high hopes for it. Probably is the case. But then... So, what's his name? Jack Johnson? Not Jack yeah. Johnson. Jake Jack Johnson. Johnson. Jake Johnson. I keep saying Jack. He's in Into the Spider-Verse. And then after that, we watched mm-hmm. New Girl, which Jake he is Johnson also is in. in. Uh, so, yeah. I, I don't... I was like... Huh. I, I, I almost went into the Spider-Verse to be two different movies because I really liked this. St- and I, it could have been so much more fleshed out, the story between Uncle Aaron, uh, his dad, who is um, Paperboy from Atlanta, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Miles. The scene with Miles and his dad on either side of that door, uh, that was the, my uh, favorite scene in the whole movie. So good. Um, very moving. And... Uh, and and I loved the the Miles Peter B Parker relationship plus Gwen mm-hmm. Stacy like mm-hmm. I want to I want to see more of them and I want to see more of the other three and I'm sure this movie would lose some of its like full turbo speed but I kind of want some of that like Uncle Aaron died. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> like let's let's dwell like let's live right. let's live with that some more. Or like Peter B. Parker is like a fundamentally broken guy, right? It so for me, I'm like, let's make a whole movie about that. Like, I would love to see just five minutes of Peter B. Parker 
crying in the shower wearing a Spider-Man suit. I would watch that so hard. <laughs> no, so I agree with what you're saying, probably to a lesser extent. But I felt like Spider-Pig and that space robot. Yeah. And even even Penny as Parker. much as I loved Nick Cage's noir Spider-Man, I felt, and even Spider-Gwen to some extent, like yeah. took away from these better, these stronger storylines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I guess you need that because kids don't care about that but they should and i think they're better storylines um anyways it's still a pretty good movie no right. recommendations for new girl no i don't recommend new I'm, girl. i hear it gets better after season two uh, I, uh, I never made it that far so the characters don't change and it's they're the worst hmm all right. Well, I'm we are home now. We're, we're out of time. Belong now. I listened to a lot of Vince Staples after he he's the guy who he he's the music for both the Black Panther and the Into the Spider-Verse trailers. Mm. And I'm like those are two of my favorite trailers. We need to wrap this up. Bro. Sorry. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> Thanks. We'll see you next week. <laughs>